0: that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Hello, my culminating friends. Uh, we have been chasing for a while after a Chris Rufo, but who isn't these days? Uh, from both sides of the, uh, of the fence, Chris is, is, is very much the man of the hour now, one of the, along with a handful of other people, many of whom uh, we've spoken to here. He is one of the leading expositors of what critical racial theory is doing to our culture, to our law, to our educational system. And I'm just going to bring him on. And I think I'm just going to not even have to wind him up. He comes, I think, pre- pre-charged. How are you, Chris?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm already wound up. So I'm doing very well. Good to be with you.
0: Thank you very much for coming on. You, um, you really have got people's attention, which I, I, you know, the question is, do you think, do you think it's any of the right people or is it just the same old people banging our heads against the walls?
1: No, I I think it's absolutely a lot of new people and definitely the right people. You know, one of the things that I've tried to do in the last year, year and a half, uh, specifically my work on critical race theory is getting more people involved at that very local level. So uh, parents, especially families, Teachers and principals and school board members, school board candidates uh, who want to have an excellent education. And we've really woken these folks up. One of the most uh, kind of amazing uh, feelings for me was watching a lot of the work that I was doing as a reporter, as an activist, then be uh, kind of reflected back to me uh, with all these amazing school board videos. So parents going to protest, to say their piece, to engage in that basic, you know, local democratic practice. And so um, we've seen a lot of shifts. And I think a lot of people um, are starting to say, hey, wait a minute, the people promoting CRT, promoting gender ideology, promoting kind of like left-wing municipal policy on policing and crime aren't actually fighting for the best interests of my family, uh, aren't fighting for the best interests of, you know, these local communities. And Um, I I think it's been successful and at least starting to get that change process rolling.
0: You know, in a recent conversation, I had occasion to sort of realize that there had been a national phenomenon in favor of conservative politics and candidates over the previous 15 or 20 years. And if it had not been for Barack Obama, it would probably be just about over. And brilliantly, the far left wing of the Democratic Party and led obviously with the, by the, the money and I'm sure the, the insight of George Soros realized that there were many interstices, there were many places other than national elections or even statewide elections where uh, they could make a very big impact. And one was law enforcement and that, that we've seen the, the disaster that's become. And the other one has been, although it's quite related to, what, to to what you've been talking about for the last few years. And the other one is education. And what I think has been fascinating is seeing how um, on the education piece, they don't have the ability to really mobilize national media for, you know, for local school boards, the way they do for national issues. The only thing though that they do have is teachers unions. And which, but what's, what's astonishing is the things you hear from these existing school board members who say things like, well, why why don't you move, you know, or, you know, or who refuse to refuse to give, you know, uh, information about curriculum. Is it your observation, having been on the front lines of this, that the school boards are, they've, they've gotten to this point because they've, that's the kind of people who are running, they were activists, Or have they been sort of captured by teachers union just in this sort of get go along to get along sort of thing or how do you think of school boards people people who are on school boards as local my next door neighbor right these are normal people logical people not people like Nancy Pelosi and and Joe Biden who are just have lost all touch with real life How, how do these people get this kind of mentality.
1: Well, I think it's a combination of both of those uh, things that those, those, those uh, influences you mentioned. First off, um, look, uh, in order to be on a school board, it takes a significant amount of time. You have to run for office. You have to care about uh, education. You have to care about the transmission of values through the local school system. Um, you have to garner the support of the different interest groups in your community. Um, so you get people who are much more activist oriented, the people who are most passionate about it. And in many cases, what that means, it's people who are most left wing, people who are on the left, they're, they're passionate, they look at education as a way to uh, kind of create revolution, uh, as a way to transform society. Um, you get that kind of uh, 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 spirit in a lot of these school boards, whereas the median, let's say family or median voter is not really represented because the people who are in the middle are in some ways apathetic. Um, So they'll cede it to people who are more activist-oriented. The second thing is also very important. A lot of the mechanics of school board elections—they're off-year elections, off-cycle elections—and then what what that means is you have really just minuscule turnout. A few thousand votes can flip a uh, uh, can win rather can a few thousand votes can win a school board election. Um, So what happens is that interest groups and most. Powerfully, most predominantly, uh, the teachers' unions can start to use that uh, that that under the radar political power to get their people on those school boards because most people aren't paying attention. And so, what we've seen though, which is a really good development in the last year, is that the median voter, the median parent, is starting to wake up and say, "Hey, wait a minute, the education that my kids are getting." Is, it is radically different from the education that I got. And maybe in certain ways it's better, but in these very real and very significant ways, it's much worse. And it actually violates uh, 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 the values that I have. And so we're gonna get involved. And then you have conservative candidates, conservative uh, uh, political candidates, essentially. These are politically uh, p- political uh, elected positions. Um, who are saying, okay, we've focused on state legislatures, we have focused on Congress, we focused, focused on national politics, and we've kind of left this position unguarded, it's time for us to get involved. And so you see, uh, for example, a, a colleague of mine, Ryan Jardusky, uh, running a, a PAC, the 1776 Project PAC, um, that is taking anti-CRT school board candidates, getting them equipped, supporting them with uh, resources and materials, and in some cases, uh, financial support. And they're just bowling over all of these school board elections. They're winning by resounding margins. And so you're starting to see a big pushback to say, hey, wait a minute, we don't want left-wing activists running the school board. We don't want teachers union cronies that feel entitled to these positions running the school boards. And what you're getting, I think, for the first time in a generation, perhaps, is the return of true local governance, the return of not special interests, not kind of extreme activists who have hijacked the system and, and, and used the uh, apathy and the off-cycle electoral power, but actually saying, let's, get, let's restore governance that goes towards the, the broad majority of the uh, constituents.
0: You know, I'm, as, you're, as you're describing this, I'm beginning to think about my earliest memories of school which are uh, at the time we lived in Brooklyn. And my earliest memory of school is walking with my mother to school uh, to be registered and then walking home because there was a strike. That was the New York City, the famous New York City school, school strike, um, <laughs> which was a, a watershed in the, politis, in, in, the, in the politicization of education. And there had been, as you know, a cultural reaction, which was not in and of itself a crazy thing to the fact that the teaching profession had become a sort of sinecure for middle-class Jewish men and women Hmm. who were increasingly teaching minority students. And there was a, you know, there there was a, a cultural disconnection and there was of course, by this time already, New York City municipal unions were well entrenched. So there had, there was a, a lot of patronage and all you know management positions, and there was basically a purge of, of Jews from the teaching profession in New York City. Uh, hmm. Over, I mean they they had so called tenure, but over the over the decades. So when you in other words, what, what triggered me was when you said that the education you got that, that the children in public schools are getting is nothing like the education their parents got. I went from, from New York City's public schools in the late 60s and early 70s, which were, which were beginning to enter a sort of crisis. Then we moved to the suburbs, not in small part because of these developments, and part of the great white flight of the early 70s, where we went to these kind of experimental open schools in a geodesic dome, you know? And, and, yeah. and, and all said, I had some fairly mediocre public school experiences, but I did, I guess, get some kind of education. Um, when I look at, I think, you know, at what, I mean, look, none of my children went to public school, not necessarily because for those, for those reasons, I sent them all to religious school. Now in New York City, we're seeing a an effort underway to punish the predominantly orthodox jewish uh, orthodox jewish community that uses um rigid, religious schools as a way to avoid the public schools by imposing a substantial equivalency test hmm. which has actually which is which which is b- premised on a statute that's been on the books since uh, you know a grover cleveland or uh, you know uh, administration or something but has never been enforced because the idea was if you keep if you don't register your kids in our school we'll, you're doing us a great favor it's that much that much less that we have to worry about but all of this is by way of my asking you what do you say to critics on the left who say Chris Rufo and James Lindsay and N- Nicole Solis and all these characters—they're not trying to save public school. They're trying to destroy public education in this country, uh, and you know, and uh, 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 move it into you know, move the money to private schools into uh, you know, anti-Davulian religious schools. Um, to which my response is, well, if that's what they're doing, I think that's great. I mean, I'm not a big libertarian, but I think that the socialist experiment in public school has been a disaster. But is that necessarily your position or does it matter what your position
1: is? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I would separate out uh, cause and effect or premise and conclusion here. And the the, the premise of that argument that the left makes is... This is all a Betsy DeVos funded scheme to privatize education and destroy, you know, public schools uh, is so disingenuous, and it's not only factually false, um, it's really based on a kind of lunatic and hysterical interpretation of the prior facts. The facts are very simple, actually. Uh, Public school funding, so per uh, student, so per capita funding for public schools, has gone up, 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 and in in a sense in many districts tripled since the time you're talking about the 1960s. And yet student performance um, has basically been completely flat over that same period. So you ask a question, wait a minute, we are shoveling in some cases $30,000 a year per child into the public school system Uh, Over this kind of 50 year experiment in which student performance has not improved one iota. Is that the fault of, of someone like me? Of course it isn't. It's this just insane cash grab by public school bureaucracies that have failed in their basic duty to educate kids. And now what they're doing is they're trying to to replace the education or pedagogical function with an ideological or revolutionary function, which serves two purposes. One, it justifies and and excuses their own failures. Okay, well, we're not educating these kids, but that's actually the fault of uh, white supremacy or the fault of patriarchy or the fault of Chris Rufo, whatever the kind of villain of the day is. But then it also uh, justifies the further cash grab strategy. Well, we need more money. You know, you hear people with a straight face say, oh, public schools are underfunded, uh, not by any metric. So then the second question is, well, what do I want? Um, Does it matter? I think it does to a certain extent, uh, to the extent uh, that I have influence on policy at the state level, for example. I think you have to do two things simultaneously. You have to improve public education because there will be public schools. There'll be public schools now, there'll be public schools in 20 years, there'll be public schools in 50 years. This is gonna be a system uh, 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 with which the majority likely of students are educated, in which the majority of students are educated. And so you want to improve public schools by, for example, saying pseudoscientific and kind of nakedly uh, race, r- racial reductionist pedagogies like critical race theory, uh, or pedagogies like gender ideology have no place in the public school. So we're going to insulate public schools from really destructive and, 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 and uh, non-educational pedagogies. But at the same time, something I've advocated for and, and, and gotten in a lot of trouble with these folks, um, or you know, th- th- they've been upset about it, is universal school choice. So you're saying to parents, You're no longer stuck by a kind of residentially assigned, zip code assigned public school district where you get one option. Actually, if you don't like that school for whatever reason, you don't like how it's run, you don't like the kind of curriculum it has, you don't like the safety environment, we're going to give you those educational dollars and you can take them wherever you want. Another public school, a charter school, a secular private school, a religious school, or a homeschool program. So you can give money to parents to uh, uh, cover the costs of those homeschool expenses, uh, learning pods, whatever kind of education you want. And you just say, we trust you, the parent, to make the best decision for your child. And if the public school isn't meeting your satisfaction or your standard, just like a grocery store or a restaurant or any other thing, any other kind of business or institution you interact with, you can take your money elsewhere. And this will do two things. It will directly in a first order way, satisfy parents but in a secondary or, or, or second order effect is actually it improves public schools as well because it creates competition and so you have public schools and then a whole range of other kind of schooling institutions competing for parents competing for dollars uh, and I think you create a bit more of a competitive marketplace that improves student outcomes for parents who opt out of the public schools but also for parents who opt in
0: there's a there's there's another fault line running along this debate which is the claim that like I'm not trying to just give you softballs here I'm trying to get my arms around around the issues <laughs> but one of the things I frequently see is this claim that it is it's unusual and 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 new to this new ultra right wing fascist conservative movement that that incredible right-winger Donald Trump let loose on this country. To have states doing top-down curriculum uh, management, that that's supposed to be where the educator and indeed the parent and the school board do their, you know, they make choice, they're they're the ones supposed to be making choices. when you have a guy like, you have someone like Rick DeSantis or, 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 you know, other conservative uh, governors or or legislatures legislating things like don't say gay, which of course is a classic Bolshevik style, just stealing the language in order to obfuscate the truth, but management of curriculum by the state is is not a conservative what what an unconservative idea conservatives are supposed to be in favor of local control and here you guys are running into the state houses where you can where you can coalesce your 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 wicked power and your (laughs) cook brother's money i don't know what what you know whatever whatever their fevered brows but what what what's the response to that
1: sure again it's based on such a a a basic ignorance or a deliberate lying about the basic facts it's almost unbelievable they could make that argument. The, the facts as they exist, the status quo today is that states control the curriculum for the K-12 education system in every state in the United States. Uh, local school district control over the curriculum uh, has not been the public policy status quo in the United States for decades, for a very, very long time. And so I personally am actually amenable to the idea. I would love for uh, each local school district to have autonomy over the local curriculum. So that, for example, in my state of Washington, the school, the school curriculum in Seattle could look very different than the school curriculum in, let's say, a conservative uh, a rural district in eastern Washington. I'd love for Seattle to have what they call pleasure-based, comprehensive sexual education. Uh, all power to them. If that's what they want to do, that's what the voters vote for all power to them. But the conservative rural district has a much different uh, sexual education curriculum, for example. Or maybe they say, we don't want to have a sexual education curriculum. We want to let parents uh, you know, handle that at home. I would love for a system of greater pluralism and local control. But that's not the system that we have. That's not the baseline status quo. And it's this kind of impotent libertarian thinking that, uh, that requires a, a, a kind of A brain-dead reading of politics to say, we want some fanciful utopia that's not based on any ground truth or any of the status quo, and we're not going to do anything to improve the system in the meantime in favor of a kind of abstract fantasy. And so given that the states control the curriculum, the states should control the curriculum. And by by saying, well, we're not going to touch it, you cede the entire territory to the professional bureaucrats, the activist left, the most extreme left-wing pedagogists and educational theorists. And so what DeSantis and now I think 13 other states have done is to put a kind of barrier or protection to say, we want to give autonomy to teachers, to local school districts, but these are the basic guardrails. Uh, You can't teach people that they're inherently guilty of historical crimes because of their skin color. This is a very basic uh, uh, guardrail that every school in the country should have. And at the same time, I could say, yeah, if you want to have a move to a system of greater pluralism and local control, I personally would support that 100%. But in the meantime, you have to actually deal with the system as it exists today. Uh, And I think it's really an abdication of responsibility not to do so.
0: And I would say that it can only, when you say 100%, that can only be in tandem with school choice. That's right. So that even if you are unfortunate enough to live in Seattle and you can't get out, you should, you should be able to take your, your money. Not their money, your money.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And send your kid to us. So, so that the majority of the public school, if, if that's what those who are interested in public school, we want, that's what they can do for the public schools, but your child doesn't have, doesn't, doesn't have to experience it. Now, now you're coming, you, you know, you mentioned this obvious issue of this kind of new New racism that is acceptable and preferred, apparently, you know, in in, in these circles. And now we're coming on to the, the the really hard question of how do we know? How do we know? And and Michael Knowles, in, in, in a recent conversation I had with him, I think you know, really hit the nail on the head, saying you have to be prepared to say in order to to, to to move through the world that there are things we know <laughs> that w- we can employ our intellects and our senses and our experience to recognize that that this nihilistic idea that there's no you know we can't know any absolute truth therefore let's ch- teach one of every single thing to every that's pre- that's preposterous yeah but we're, we're in a mode right where it I mean, at one point I was going to say, what if we all just said, let's the schools just teach reading and writing and arithmetic and all the mushy stuff, all these subjective stuff. We'll just we'll just quit on that. We're just going to give up on it and give your kids a reading list and something. No, it turns out that even science and math are are um, expressions of white supremacy. And Uh that wouldn't that wouldn't work either.
1: You have to choose a pedagogy uh, that is based on a specific set of values that espouses and then transmit a, transmits a specific worldview. This is unavoidable. There is no neutral education. That's a, a kind of, a, 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 again, a libertarian delusion. Um, there is no neutral education. We've known this since the ancient Greeks. This is not a new question and what we have is a uh, a, a kind of sophistry uh, uh, on behalf of the political left um, that is trying to seed doubt into those basic certainties and those basic truths that most people and most parents recognize and it's gone so do you deep believe they that-
0: still do by the way do you believe that the majority of people in the United States which is such a broad generalization that it might not be useful anymore. But would you say that most Americans still hold those truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and that you're not guilty of oppression by virtue of being pallid, of of pallor, you know, of of complexion?
1: I absolutely do. I I, I know with just a, a kind of this resounding uh, 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 movement politically, but also just if you kind of take a step back from the world that we inhabit, which is uh, an intellectual world, a policy world, uh, Twitter world, um, uh, uh, you have- crazy. It's crazy world. It's crazy world. And, and I enjoy it. I enjoy living in crazy world. It's quite fun. Uh, it's very interesting. It's always, it's always a good time. But most people don't live in crazy world. Most people live in a very basic bourgeois blue collar or middle class white collar uh, uh, world uh, in in this median voter, let's say this common citizen has a very different worldview, even if he or she can't quite articulate it at the level of abstraction that maybe we can or our opponents can. I mean, look, one of the things that uh, I I think is still absolutely true is that um, the left has succeeded through a campaign of uh, 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 hijacking institutions and then using cultural, social, and political power to bully people into submission. And the question, this, you know, in a way kind of stupid question, what is a woman that has been circulating? And and Matt Walsh has, has kind of raised it quite brilliantly. I mean, it is a sign of the times. I mean, we all know what this is. Almost everyone knows what a woman is. It's self-evident. Uh, you know, They have a mother, they have a sister, it's quite clear and 99.99% of cases. And yet we're at a point where we have gone from, actually some of the first people to, an, to ask this question were the uh, uh, queer theorists of the 1980s and 1990s, literally saying, what is a woman? We don't know because a woman could be actually a man and you could have a, 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 you know, a, a, a kind of gender expression as a postmodern plastic play thing. But when you actually say, hey, wait a minute, take all the postmodern superstructure aside, just kind of set it aside for now and actually go to people. Um, these are questions that people are maybe scared to answer in public, but they know the answer. And so that's why I feel like part of my responsibility is to fight on behalf of those people, is to actually enter that political fray um, uh, with their interests at heart, knowing that most of them don't wanna participate, can't participate. Um, and yet I- in a kind of strange uh, 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 repetition of, of the 1960s are really and truly a, a kind of silent Same majority. They have self-censored in that way. You
0: no, know, I think you make a, 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 it's a very important point because one of the things you'll, you'll hear the um the left say when another one of those you know really bad faith arguments is look how the right wing is coming along and imposing this on on people who are really very comfortable the, most people are really very comfortable with their children uh, learning this most people are really very comfortable having their kids go to dra- to to to, to uh, dr- you know drag story time
1: strip shows yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, no, most people, people are not. I mean, it's crazy. It's like, you know, some of these videos on the, the drag queen story time, it's like the most unbelievable euphemism imaginable. It's, des- it's, a, it's like designed to put you to sleep and to kind of, you know, tune down your, your, your brain functions because uh, drag queen story time, oh, it's, you know, harmless. It's fun. It's just, you know, it's about the reading. And then you see videos of some of these performances for children, you know, toddlers, uh, adolescents, very young kids. Um, and, and look, you know, uh, uh, they're uh, 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 stripping off clothing. Uh, they're exposing, uh, you know, artificial genitalia. Um, they're simulating sex acts. They're um, uh, uh, soliciting dollar bills uh, in their, you know, panties or g-strings.
0: And do we, as um, conservatives, say? And is, is it, do we, Are we forced to make take the position? Maybe this is a libertarian position, and the answer to it is no. But I don't know. That well, if if indeed parents do want that for their kids, we have nothing to say about.
1: It. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's absurd. I I, I think if you it if you absurd. if you're honest about it and you put together those facts, so you're looking for a fact pattern. Okay, you have a person uh, doing all of those things that I just listed. Um, listen this is a strip show. This is a strip club. I mean, this is the kind of- Would you uh, let your husband, uh, would you let your husband go to this? Yeah. (laughs) The answer is no. You know, you you come home with glitter all over you. You know, your wife is going to have questions about this. Uh, uh, You know, your wife is going to say, hey, wait a minute. Uh, And then you say, no, 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 sweetie. It was a drag queen story time. Uh, uh, And then she sees the video. She's going to be upset with you. Um, and, And rightly so. And so the, the, the question is then, and, and there's a fair question, you know, in, in public schools, absolutely, the government, the, the legislators and school board members have, a, have an obligation to, to rule on this, have an obligation to make decisions. Then the kind of libertarian argument, well, what if this is a private club and people really want this and it's a kind of gender uh, uh, liberating performance? Then the question is, okay, well, why are kind of heterosexual, kind of heteronormative strip clubs, gentlemen's clubs, why don't they allow children, Um, you know, and then you start, if you start making the actual correct comparisons, the correct uh, equivalents, um, you know, you start getting into kind of bizarro land libertarianism. You say, well, you know, if a a consenting adult wants to take his six-year-old to a kind of traditional heterosexual strip club, who are you to tell them they can't? Well, the medical—I I don't I mean, think that argument flies. I think we have to have basic norms well, that should be I mean, enforced by laws. This is very, very simple, and I'm—I'm—I'm so, I'm, I'm just going to so, go ahead and say it. Someone's going to
0: have to tell that to the medical profession because they have taken it upon themselves to mutilate children, with or without their parents' um, consent, but typically with <sighs> mutilate children. Then now I'm beginning to come onto my putative topic of my web of my of my podcast, which is the First Amendment during the oral argument for the for the Carson case the incredibly important Carson case for school, for school choice um, i think it was justice thomas who asked is crt a religious a religious creed and i i don't think anyone was pressed for the answer but it's an important if if nothing is if everything's religion then nothing's religion right and what, and, and what the decision in Carson, although it didn't, it didn't circle back to that actual question, begins to grapple with is this idea that we, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult to, you know, if we, if we must, as you and I would agree, acknowledge that it's the responsibility of the adults to impart values, not necessarily explicitly, be a good person. Be a bad person. That that m- might not be such a wise thing, or maybe it should be. I mean, you teach. I mean, everyone should learn to clean up after playtime, right? I mean, it is always part of every classroom endeavor. There's there are inherent values that are being projected. To say that we are doing that doesn't mean to say that we that we concede that all values are equal. it can't be, like you said, it can't. Yeah. Neutrality is, is just, a, it's, it, it is an abandonment of adult responsibility.
1: The, the, the purpose of education is to cultivate the soul, to cultivate the citizen. Um, this has always been true. And we've seem to have forgotten this very basic lesson about the essential purpose of educating kids. You're transmitting not only knowledge but you're transmitting a set of values, you're transmitting a specific vision of what it means to be a citizen, uh, in this case, the United States. And there's this bizarre idea, and I appreciate your perspective as an actual first amendment lawyer, uh, 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 rather than my kind of uh, uh, semi-legally educated uh, 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 ideas, but there's this idea that has been bumbling around and I've heard people even at some of the law schools are trying to, to, to get this going is, well, teaching critical race theory is teaching a religious tenet. This is the kind of foundation of John McWhorter's book, "Woke Racism," to say, well, yeah. you know, wokeness is actually a religion, uh, uh, and then therefore, is it? Could it be that it is a you know First Amendment violation to be promoting it in schools? I mean, that strikes me as just such a poor argument on the merits because a, it suggests that that um, we can we can assume that wokeness is negative because it is a religion, because all religions are somehow negative. It assumes that religion is a bad thing, A, which I, which I, I don't agree with. But B, it's like, wokeness is not a religion. Um, I'm sorry, critical race theory is not a religious expression. It is a deeply uh, secular worldview. Um, it is a kind of anti-metaphysical worldview um, and it is a, uh, uh, based on a neo-Marxist anthropology and a neo-Marxist reading of history that seeks to transcend the religious or abandon, uh, transcend is the wrong word, to actually abandon the transcendent view of, 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 of man. And so uh, I think probably as a Supreme Court case, um, everything, at that point, everything is religious. Any pedagogy, any belief system, any, any expressed value uh, is essentially religious at, at, at the end of the day. What is it based on? What is the grounds? But also, I think it's a basic misreading because it, it, it presumes that what we aspire to is a bloodless, lifeless, plastic, neutral, valueless education system. Something that if you were even able to achieve it, which you're not able to, would be such an abysmal and awful and confusing Pedagogy that you'd leave a generation of kids, which may be unfortunately what we're doing today, completely confused about the basic and fundamental human values and the essential characteristics of human nature. Um, it's it's such a a, a a a just destruct unintentionally destructive idea. Uh, I, I think we cannot push back against that kind of Aspen Institute uh, third way um, idiocy. Uh, 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 uh any uh, at, at any level uh, 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 uh you know it, it just has to be it has to be shut down that kind of high IQ uh, uh, uh kind of high IQ stupidity um uh it just, just just astonishes me it just it, it makes me uh uh you know just want to revolt against it I think
0: what mcWhorter is getting at is I thought you were gonna say something actually would, would really would have been intriguing, which was that, to, and, I, and I know that McCorder doesn't say this, if, it's, if in fact it's a religion, it's as entitled to protection as any other religion. But as you point out, until Carson, we had this, we had been laboring under this misapprehension that anything that imparts a religious point of view not a theological point of view, but something consistent with the values of a religion is verboten in the, in, in, in the private, in the public schools, which is impossible, which is impossible. Every person is a package of values in action.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but, you, you know, the, so the, the interesting entirely, you know, sophomore uh, bull session question of is it, is you know is crt a religion i mean no. your points are well taken and if yeah. and if we if you're right it helps a lot it makes things a lot easier because we can just say that's not a religious view at all it's just that's not right. it's just nonsense i mean i think what McWhorter is saying is does say is well it is unfalsifiable uh, it's premised on a marxism uh, which premise which, which itself believes in and, and, and takes for granted the idea that there are forces of history that are impossible to deny. That, in other words, that there's a, there's a progress in history toward an ultimate paradise for all men. Um, and and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a category of evildoers, which can either be capital or, in modern terms, it can be white people. And they have to be extirpated so that our better angels can, um, you know, can be uh, freed, you know, to to, to pr- produce this heaven on earth. So, it, it, I, I think, as you say, I, I, you know, McWhorter is a very, very, you know, very smart guy. As you would agree, I agree. It it is a very good paradigm for examining what's going on here, which is cause what because what he's really saying is. These people aren't rational. They're not who rational. Ca- but,
1: but but who cares? I, 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 again, I think that's such a, a, a poor and weak basis of the argument against wokeness or critical race theory. Um, well, no,
0: but, but what he, for example, I had Eric Smith a few weeks ago I love and he's, yeah. he's fantastic. And he said, you can't really argue with the people who are taking these positions because they're not, I can argue with people who haven't been convinced yet. And I can demonstrate to them that they're dealing with people who use vocabulary and framing, and you know, essentially unfalsifiable hypotheses to stake out a claim, which cannot, by virtue of not being able to be disproved, much must be
1: accepted on the basis of faith. What's your response to that? I, ultimately, though, the, the, it's it's the the kind of analytical or epistemological question here. In, in this idea, let's say wokeness as a religion, we'll take it as the, as the, as the, the case. Well, it's unfalsifiable. So you're saying it can't be sub, sub, kind of sub, submitted to the scientific method and either you know, verified or, or falsified. Um, and therefore it's a religion, which is based on faith. But the, I mean, y- you can't We're skipping. you, We're skipping you can't speech. submit a system of values to a scientific method. You know, it it, it just, that's not how it works. At the end of the day, you look at someone like Kierkegaard, he wrote the book Either Or, you have to take the jump in order to have any kind of belief system about man. There is this kind of chasm uh, where rationality ceases, and you have to jump over this chasm of of, of the irrational uh, uh, in order to get to a firm ground where then rationality makes sense. So underneath it, it's, it's this commitment. There is a commitment. And in the past, it's say uh, mythical or religious or theological or metaphysical. Um, or in, in, in Marxist case, it's kind of an anthropological commitment to transcend those old categories. But whatever system you have, if you have religious education, classical education, woke education, um, there is and, and will always be this, this, this jump, this leap, you cannot evaluate these things according to uh, modern technical science. That's not how values work. You can test, let's say a physical property. You can say, well, how does gravity work? How does, you know, how does this microphone work? Well, how does an airplane fly? But you can't answer, you know, what is the good? How should we form the soul? What, are the, uh, uh, what is the essence of, of being human? You, you can't you know, put that into a laboratory. You can't look at it under a microscope. And therefore, you're going to have to address those questions. You cannot evade those questions. And so I think in a way, you're making this kind of wokeness as religion is actually a Marxist uh, error. It's a Marxist critique. It's the other side of the coin. And I, I just think that you can't ever create a solid ground on which to argue by looking at it from that perspective.
0: Wow, that's great that's the first time I've ever heard anyone enunciate that point of view. And that's a fantastic takeaway for me. And in fact, we're both probably running out of oxygen here, but you, you, you know, I want to thank you so much for, for knocking heads with me about this stuff. It's, is it going to, is it going to help? I mean, is is can we, can we save the situation? Are the people of America themselves, you know, the adults committed enough to this, to these values to keep, fighting this fight?
1: I, I think that they are. And uh, I, I, I like to, I, I, this anecdote or this image has really stuck in my mind. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Um, in 2020, in, on July 4th, at the height of the pandemic lockdowns, at the kind of height of the uh, George Floyd riots that had been kind of roiling American cities, the it's city of peaceful. Los Angeles said no fireworks, n- no 4th of July celebrations, everyone stay home. L.A. is, you know, famously multiracial, L.A. is famously, you know, very liberal in its voting patterns. Um, And the, you know, lockdown orders were were famously very strict. And yet there's this amazing drone footage that they were showing on on local media and then I think social media of these uh, kind of drone high in the sky showing this immense panorama of Los Angeles. And it looked like the entire sky was on fire. It was lit up with these bombardments of of mortar fireworks, of firecrackers, of lights, of celebration. And it struck me as this perfect metaphor that there is something of this American spirit that survives even in those uh, deepest kind of blue quarters of our country. People love this country. People believe in this country. People believe in the basic uh, truths, the basic conception of the good, the basic conception of what we should be as citizens. And the reason that our country isn't uh, governed by ideas that are much more similar to those that you and I share is not a fault of the American people. It's a fault of, let's say, conservative leadership. It's up to us to do it. Uh, people can't formulate these things on their own. They're busy with their lives, their kids, their families, their work, their their church commitments, their other community obligations. And so it's up to us to put together a vision, to put together a, a kind of campaign, to put together the language, to put together a policy platform that will take those latent values that I think are shared by a large majority of the country to bring them to the the kind of uh, 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 to bring them to the broader consciousness, and then to start changing our policies and changing our institutions so that people can express them, people can actually live out those values. And this idea that we can have a technocratic or scientific system uh, that 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 uh, that is based on you know the 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 the, the, the calculations is, is is such an impediment to that. We actually have to bring up people's values, bring up people's Uh, a kind of deepest uh, intuitive and emotional commitments and start as start there as the basis for better policies.
0: Chris, fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we had a chance to speak face to face and hopefully we'll run into each other in person one of these days at one of these things. (laughs)
1: Likewise. All right. Good to talk to you. Catch you later. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast.